And it's time to trust and believe. Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Shanti. And we have such an amazing guest today. Her name is Melanie Feller. She is a developmentally based pediatric speech pathologist who specializes in working with children from ages zero to three. And all of you out there know I have twins at like 28 months right now. So I'm so excited to talk to her. But also she specializes in children with social emotional challenges, including autism, spectrum disorder, and she holds multiple certifications and models that support self-regulation, developmental practice, and infant mental health. And so, Melanie, welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm so, number one, thankful and excited that me as a new parent, I get to speak with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to speak with you. So I'm going to jump right in. I have a bunch of notes over here, so I do not forget anything. Okay. But the first thing I want to ask you, which I think is the most important thing, which is I think um, parents get a lot, of, a lot of feedback from other people, and they try to be perfect. And I think that especially with myself and my husband, you know, we're trying to raise kids, and we get we give really positive feedback. But it also is overwhelming because you feel a, you feel under pressure a lot to make sure you are doing great. And uh, in the world of social media, if you show your kids on social media, everyone judges. But I know that you are you really like to empower parents. So can you talk about that? Because I need the motivation right now. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's really you know your your line, which uh, for I really love what you do as a trainer and I'm all about insanity and, you know, T25 and Transform 20 rather and the 20, all of the programs. So Thank I you. really, you're welcome. So I really love the idea of trusting and believing in yourself, not only as someone who exercises or who is whatever, whatever, but as a parent, because I don't think at this point, I don't think a lot of parents know that they can trust and believe in their own abilities and in their child's ability. And I think, like you said, especially for yourself, somebody who's really out there on social media, you, I'm sure you get lots of opinions and lots of input and you're doing this right now, you're doing that right now, you're doing this wrong. And I think it's there's so much of it and I don't. I think it's really hard for parents to empower themselves because they don't know what the right thing is. Like, oh, well, if this influencer is doing it, then it must be right, so I have to do it. But wait, somebody else commented and said, you know, that was wrong. And I think it can be so overwhelming. So my sort of question that I pose is how can parents like empower themselves and how can they feel more capable um, to care for themselves as parents and to care for their children and to support their children's growth and not just kind of follow along with what everyone else is doing. That is a really great question to throw back to a parent. And I'll tell you some of the things that Scott and I do. We stick to a schedule as much as possible without mm -hmm. eliminating or limiting, I should say, our children's creativity and their excitement and their freedom to just be expressive for whatever it is that they're going through. But we do keep a schedule. And the schedule, number one, is really based around sleep first, mm -hmm. uh, eating second, because those are the two things that can cause them to go off the rails. And third, but I would say this is actually the most important, to be quite honest, is us time. 
me and my spouse having time together. So we try to stick to that 7.15 bath time starts mm-hmm. so that by 8.15, we are having our moment of whatever it is that we want to do, whether it's have a glass of wine, watch Survivor, <laughs> you know, or adult. So, you know, just keeping it real. So there's right. like these different things that we do uh, that I think that really helps us stay in power. And then the next thing that we do is we actually call on call for help right now we're quarantined so it's even Mm -hmm. tougher scott's parents are 77 and they do so well their energy level but you know at the same time we respect that they probably have a max of two hours a day sure and so that's what we're doing um how i would love some feedback on that and then some extra support you could share for me and the other parents out there Absolutely. So I think scheduling is great. I think having a schedule is so important for kids because they know what to expect and when to expect it. Um, and I think, you know, little kids are looking for those boundaries. They, they, although you might not think they are because they're always testing the boundaries, but they want to see like where the line is because otherwise they'll just keep trying to push and push and push. So if you're like, okay, you know, what you said, I think you said 7.15 is bath time, um, then that will be, you know, they know, okay, even if they don't know the time, like, okay, we're approaching this time, or this is the routine. We always know we have dinner around this sort of time, and then we know we have bath time. And that's so, I think that really supports a healthy relationship between you and your kids and between you and your spouse, because then you're like, okay, we're going to have sanity, hopefully at 8.15. Um, and your kids know, okay, this is how it goes, and, and this is what I've come to expect. Um, so I think scheduling is great and especially around mealtime because like you said, hungry children are a little scary to be around. So <laughs> you really want to make sure that they're eating at regularly scheduled times. Um, and you know, obviously there's flexibility in that. Like if you know they need a snack, maybe, you know, you add that in or something, but to know that they have set meal times is really beneficial. You actually said two really important things. Uh, one is mental health, and, mm-hmm. and secondly, is their emotional well being. Now, mm-hmm. as adults, our mental health, you know, I think is becoming more popular to, you know, go to therapy and really take care of our self self-care and then the other thing is emotional health which you know it ties in but it is a little different i would love for you to give me some more insight on what is the definition of mental health and emotional health for children and the reason why i ask is because some people could say well they don't know how to express those their emotions so how do you differentiate the two and what are some tools we could use to empower us as parents to actually, you know, aid in the support and bettering their mental and emotional health? I think that's such a good question. Like you said, I think it's overlooked a lot because people think, oh, they're little kids. They're fine. What's the big deal? Um, But remember, as I'm sure you see as a parent, little kids can express themselves the way that we can. So they kind of tend to take everything in and then processing that can be really tricky, which is why like, you know, I'm just saying an example, like you might see your kids acting out more now because everything has changed all of a sudden, you know, dads are home all the time. Where's the caregiver? Where's the babysitter? Why is grandma here? You know, and things change and they can't say to you, dad, what's going on here? So, you know, you can start to see behaviors. You can start to see them acting out. And also remember that for kids like your kid's age, emotions tend to be catastrophic. So it's like all or nothing. Like they can't yet figure out, okay, well, in a little while, a meal is coming. No, it's like, there's no food on the table right now. Oh my gosh, let's have a major meltdown. I'm writing this down. And just before you continue, I think it's really interesting. 
it's very true. While we do work from home, they're also used to spending from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. with their babysitters. And we actually are fortunate enough to have two. So they get really individualized attention. But there's, and they're used to being with us in the morning and then at night. Right. And I didn't realize that the change of that is huge to them. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I'll say that we did is in the last three weeks, their babysitters aren't here. So dad and papa are home more. Mm -hmm. We've changed them from cribs to a bed. Okay. And they spend time with their grandparents every day at a specific time. Mm -hmm. So just those things, I didn't even realize how that could affect so much of their, their mental Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Little kids don't have the capacity to understand that because all they understand is like the here and the now. There's no later. There's no before. It's just right here, right now. I am the first one to be very vulnerable, transparent, and honest mm -hmm. because I'm literally that parent. I'm like, you have to understand that <laughs> X, Y, and Z. And hearing you say they see one thing, food's not on the table or like Sander today was like, I want to go outside. Mm -hmm. And in my head, mm -hmm. I'm saying, well, you can't go outside because if you go outside, I'm going to have to wrangle you up because it's almost nap time right. and you, there's a bunch of stuff to do. But I just say, hey, buddy, you can't go outside right now. And right. he went over to the couch and it was like the couch. He was in the ring with Muhammad Ali. <laughs> like it was just like the craziest thing I've ever seen. I was just like, and I'm and I'm sitting up there like saying like why are you acting like that and right. you just answered why he's acting like that because all he sees is all or nothing exactly it's not like there will be a later after the nap there is no later you just said no you ruined his world it's ending as we know it and you know that poor couch is now in line for you know whatever it's getting you could say to him you know as, like you could plan for what's going to happen when you go outside so like right now it's time to take a nap but as soon as you wake up this is what we're going to do when we go outside and like maybe that means you get the bucket and the shovel ready if you're going to dig or whatever or you get something that symbolizes the next thing you're going to do and he can even take that to bed with him so that when he wakes up it's like oh, I'm ready to go outside so like he has that kind of symbol in his head like okay this means I get, that thing is coming you know I don't quite get when but Dad said it's coming, so okay, I know I'm gonna be using this toy or whatever when I get out there. And obviously this is just general advice, but like sometimes that can really help like kind of something to cling on to, to understand that there's gonna be a leader and it's actually coming. I, I love that 
um, idea of giving it to them or setting it by the door, possibly when mm-hmm. you wake up, we can do that. Mm-hmm. That brings me to um, kind of another subject, mm-hmm. which is that clinging to things. So Silas, he takes a little red cup, a red car, and Peppa Pig, and a green car to bed. And if he doesn't have any of those things in the bed with him, it is like, again, the world has ended and you are his worst enemy. And then Xander doesn't need anything in bed. He's like, he wants brother. That's the thing he wants. And and Xander also, I'll I'll give you the big picture. Xander also says, don't take brother's toys. Like he feels that wow. if you take brother's toys, like he starts crying if you take brother's toys. Aww. So what is I know? <laughs> so what is that? Um, what is going through their mind and mental and emotional state when they want to cling on to these things? So it's and again, you know, this is general. This is not specific to your kids, but generally speaking kids that age and younger and older really um it's very comforting to have something that they can hold on to that's kind of representative of comfort so your boys might not be clinging to you anymore or as much when they're upset they might like i don't know if your son like runs to look for the red cup let's say when he's upset or he has to gather all his stuff with him before when something traumatic happens or when something upsetting happens um but it's a comfort you know it's like they kind of it's it's the next step from separating from parents a little bit so like okay i have like my lovey you know i can like hug that and that is soothing because you know dad gave me that at some point or papa gave me that at some point um so it's very normal for them to be clinging on to things and a lot of times you'll see is like they move through development like a ton of things like kids go to bed with like 75 objects and you're like seriously and you know it'll fade though your kids will not be walking around when they're 15 carrying red cups like i i am nearly positive of that even if i don't know them it's not going to happen. They, it well, fades away <laughs> because they become more secure in and of themselves and they don't need you as much. They don't need like the toys as much, you know, like a, a, you know, a stuffed animal or whatever. They can kind of move through the world better independently because you've given them the tools to do that with and they've naturally like moved through the developmental stages. And one of those stages a lot of times is like clinging on to like, you know, lovies or things that they really think are super important, like cups. So there's something else I want to ask. It's really tough in today's age, you know, trying to be the perfect parent. Yeah, like I just want to dive into that a little more in terms of being a perfect parent and how we can eliminate, like some parents are like, don't do timeout. Some parents are like, don't yell. Some parents are like, don't do this. And some people are like, stick to a schedule. And others are like, I just let my kid go crazy. Like our neighbor across the street, I texted with him and he was like, oh, it's 10 o'clock and all of my kids are up. And I'm like, that would drive me crazy. So like, how do we get past that? Like, this is what we should do. I try to think of it from like this perspective where you can consider four different things that you can consider as you're getting information. So you're the parent, you're like looking at Instagram and, you know, Miss Perfect Influencer with perfect hair, perfect everything. You know, her two month old is walking and you're like, why isn't my two month old walking? I should be doing something different, you know? And like, rationally, you would think two month olds don't walk yet. But you know, some part of you is like, oh my gosh, her kid is doing it. So I should do it too. So I think you, first of all, you want to think about does the information that you're receiving or that you're hearing empower you? Like, do you feel like, hey, 
this makes me feel like a stronger person. This makes me feel more capable. I got this. I can do this. Even if you're like not, I'm not trying to say like you always need to know what you're doing because I don't think anyone does in any capacity as a parent in any, like there's always room to learn, right? But do you feel empowered? Do you feel like, okay, this makes me like think I can try this. I can do this. I can help my kid. And does it make your kid feel empowered? Like, do you feel like you're squashing your kid as a result? Or do you feel like, hey, my kid's getting a little more confident. My kid's feeling a little more capable. Um, so that's one thing I think you could do. Um, the next thing you can think about is the information educational. Like, what are you learning from it? Are you really learning something from it? Is it just like, kind of like, you know, stuff that you should just filter on through? Or is it like, hey, that's an interesting piece of information. Let me think about that. Let me research that. Let me consider how that might, um, you know, have meaning to my particular situation. This you keep talking. I'm taking <laughs> notes and I'm making sure I'm like in this. I'm in class. So the third thing is, is the information meaningful? So not just empowering and educational, but is it really meaningful to you? Is it meaningful to your child? Is it really relevant? Like, does it make a difference in your world? Like, does it matter that Johnny next door is learning his ABCs? Does that really matter for your kid? Like, and I'm not saying it does or it doesn't, but think about like, does that really, really matter in the end to you? And does it matter to your child? Because meaning gives purpose. Everything needs to have a meaning and a context behind it last point is do you feel respected and does your child feel respected which I think is the most important thing is the information you're getting or you're learning about or you're hearing about or somebody's telling you respecting you as a parent as an individual and is it respecting your child because a lot of times I see people like oh you should do this and this and this and it's like what about the kid like they're little they're they're adult they're small they're people they're not adults yet but they're people so we should think of them as such they're not just like something to be like manipulated and moved around and placed on a shelf right like they're dynamic little people so you got to figure out like is this respectful of them and of me as well as a parent i will say as a parent i think we do a pretty good job um lastly and most meaningful like you said respectful mm -hmm. we never uh we never did the Except for the stairs, we never put barriers in our house. And while it was very exhausting in the first, you know, months that they started moving around, crawling fast, walking, they learned so much because we didn't say, you can only stay in the playroom. Mm -hmm. If they ventured into the, you know, the formal living room, mm -hmm. what's this? A lamp, what's this? A coffee table, mm -hmm. what, you know? they were seeing all these other things that weren't in their playroom. Mm -hmm. And then it was when we would take them outside every morning and we would walk around the yard and we would say, this is a flower. We would tell them the nice. colors and say, this is a rock. That's nice. the golf course. So we would do those kind of things. I'm going to give myself a, a star for that so far. Okay. We're going to go to commercial, but when we come back, um, I'm going to talk about are things fit for parenting? Because I think a lot of people say, is this fit for me? Does that fit me? Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about fit as in size or fitness. I'm talking about fit as in fit for parents. We'll be right back. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, what's up, everyone? I know you like to have fun just like I do. And for fun around our house, we drink dry farm wines. We love it simply because, number one, who doesn't love a wine night or something fun to wind down on a weekend or on a Friday? And number two, this wine is amazing because it's all natural, additive-free, it's lab-tested for purity, sugar-free, and it's low alcohol. That, to me, is absolutely amazing. You can go to dryfarmwines.com slash Sean T. Order it and please let me know how you like it because, you know what? I love to raise my glass to a nice ending to a great day. Always trust and believe in the wine too. All right, everyone, we are back with Melanie Feller. She has given me so much motivation and inspiration as a parent. And I'm so excited because at the end of this podcast, I've gotten so much that I'm going to be able to empower people as just people without even thinking about kids. You've given me so many positive messages, but let's move on. So, you know, I want you to talk about how there's no right fit for parenting and everyone has different methods. And I know we talked about it a little bit, talking Mm -hmm. about social media, but um, can you give some people creative ways to parent and fit the methods into their family dynamic? So I think, and this is probably not the popular answer, but I don't think there's like a one size fits all approach. So it's hard for me to sit here and say to you, well, I think, Sean, that you should do this because this fits for your family. Like, I don't know that because I'm just a professional. You know, if I, let's say I was in your home, I'm coming in for what, an hour, two hours, and then I'm leaving. And you're the one in the trenches at 11 o'clock at night when the red cup is missing, right? So it's really easy for me to say, do this, do this, do this. But it doesn't always work that well, that easily. It doesn't Mm -hmm. translate that easily. So I think parents really need to think about what resonates for them, what fits in this moment in time. Like, this is what you're faced with. Okay. So like you were saying, like, you know, it's a little bit tricky, you know, bedtime is trickier. This is trickier. That's tricky. So what fits for me right now? What is the information I need to try to be successful? Like, do I need to rethink the bedtime routine? Do I need to think about what leads up to the bedtime? Do I need to think about how I react if they get out of bed or if they come into my bed early in the morning? So asking yourself these kinds of reflective questions and not just saying like, oh, my kid's, you know, my kid's not sleeping. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I can't take this anymore, you know? Like thinking about how you can reflect on what's happening to you. And I think a lot of times in that way, we're able to find our own answers, be that as parents, practitioners, professionals, whatever, I think that self-reflection piece is so critical because you can think about, okay, does this really fit for me or am I just doing it because somebody else told me to do it? Like I could Mm -hmm. tell you 50 things right now, but if they didn't really resonate for you, would you do them? You wouldn't do them. So I, I think it really, it really matters to you the specifics that you take from whatever I say or what other, you know, what others might say. Yeah. You're, you specialize in children from ages zero to three. What are some of, if you give me two or three of the most profound things you remember learning along the way, you know, because I think I want to know what makes you passionate about what you do. And sometimes that really derives from like a moment in time where you're like, holy crap, like this is why I'm, I know I chose the right career path. I think seeing the difference that 
respectful practice could make really change the trajectory of my career. Like I was a speech therapist and, you know, moseying on along and doing my thing. And I think hopefully, you know, making a difference in the families I was working with. But I think there, there was like, there was a shift when I realized that I really didn't want to have like this top-down approach where I was like teaching skills that kids weren't ready for, which is like more of a behavioral approach. And I wanted to have a more developmental approach, which is working from the bottom up. So you work from the foundational skills upwards. This way kids like aren't like Swiss cheese, you know, they don't have like holes underneath that, you know, and like filler on top, if you will. So she's yes, probably isn't the it. right example. But I think that idea of like respectful practice and understanding how to help kids from the bottom up and make therapy meaningful, because obviously a lot of what I do is, is speech therapy and, um, you know, different type like behavioral intervention, really making things meaningful and respectful change the dynamic of everything I do, right? Because I wasn't just teaching at a child, but I was actually supporting their ability to communicate and to be an effective communicator with the world around them and not just like, say this, say that, say this, say that, which is like kind of classic speech therapy a lot of times. We have developed, I think, the relationships with our children has been supported, obviously, by our grandparents. And we made sure our nannies, babysitters knew this as well, which was we never speak to them like a kid, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't do the goo goo gaga talk. Mm -hmm. And when we talk to them, we literally sit down and have conversations, even if they don't understand it. So, like, mm -hmm. if Silas walks in the house and say, how was your day? What did you do today? What was mm -hmm. what was the funnest thing you learned? Mm -hmm. And I think I just saw other parents <laughs> doing it. Not to uh -huh. say that they're wrong for doing it, but no. I was like, I think I really want to. I really want to. The way I want to help my child communicate is mm -hmm. by speaking how we normally speak. So now it's it's so crazy. My father in law or my mother in law had an idea yesterday she said i really think you should sit down and interview sander and in my head i'm like he's two years old and she said it might not you might not get 30 minutes of an interview right away but i think it would be amazing because he really remembers crazy things so i'm telling you this story because maybe you'll help me understand why or how yeah. because i'm amazed as a parent yeah so he they turned to on november 17th mm -hmm. and december 8th i danced at the cardinal football game so now mm -hmm. it's april whatever a couple of days ago right mm -hmm. and we were he was like i want to watch papa dance at the football game and i was like okay so i pulled it up on my instagram and he looked at my husband and he said it was raining and windy outside Aww. and i was like how does like how does he remember that because things that I've read is like kids remember, you know, a couple weeks or whatever. So what is like, how does, how does a kid's brain remember that far back? Cause I'm amazed. Cause I'm like, I didn't even remember that. I think I don't have a specific time for response for you. Like I can't tell you that kids remember X amount of time. I can tell you kids remember um, what's meaningful to them and what makes a difference to them. And I think that, I imagine that you probably were super excited about dancing and I imagine that, I don't know, was it during the game or was it um, like it was a record, was it on national live when it was happening? Yeah, they went to the game. I would dance at the halftime show. Right. But so he went there, right? And he was so excited to see his dad dancing. And I think that, that the joy and the emotion around an activity, around an experience 
leads children to feel more of that experience and leads them to remember more and to be able to communicate more. Because when you connect like affects, when you connect emotion to an experience, it becomes so much richer and so much more experiential because then the kids have like a context for what they're doing, right? It wasn't just like, oh, I heard about dad dancing, but they saw you dancing there. They saw how excited you were before you walked on the field. And I'm sure they heard about how thrilled you were when you were done with it. And they match that, like they remember in their heads, that smile and that excitement that you had along with everything else that happened during the day. Yeah, that makes sense because Silas, we were swimming the other day and ever since, you know, I had him jump in a pool at me and I would dunk him under and push nice. him to the side. And every day at night, he says, uh, watch Silas jump in a pool. They still speak in third person. And, and he jumps in my lap and he wants to, after bath time and every night he's like, he laughs and it's this amazing thing. So it just, it makes sense with the two of them. Like there are so many amazing, meaningful things that mm -hmm. are really great. I would love to talk to you for like the next two hours, but I have a really important question for you. You know, empowering, educational, meaningful, and respected. How do you feel people can utilize those four, what I would say profound words in life right now? How do you use them in your life right now? How do you think other people can utilize those four pillars of strength in their life? That's such a good question. You know, I think, I, I think the same goes for us, like just as just people, like individuals, forget if you're a parent or a caregiver or whoever you are. I think you can look, you know, social media is kind of overwhelming right now. Like everyone's, I feel like there's a lot of support and there's a lot of empathy, but there's also a lot of stress and sadness and just so much, you know, conflict and all sorts of emotions right now. So, you know, you open up your Instagram and you see, you know, the healthcare worker who's struggling, you see the restaurant worker out of work, you see someone ill from coronavirus um you know there's and you know children out of school and there's so much input um and i think if we can take a step back um thinking about is what you're seeing empowering you are you feeling like hey i'm a little stronger in my quarantine or i'm a little stronger in what i'm doing because of this thing that i've read or this thing that i'm seeing um you know does it does this seem educational to me like it doesn't have to meet all four pillars you know, I think, but I think just using those as like a frame of reference is a great idea. Um, so, you know, is this educational? Does it, does it have meaning to me? Am I just like scrolling through Instagram because I have nothing else to do and I'm stopping on this post because, you know, everyone else did, or does this really have some kind of genuine meaning to me? And then is it respectful? Like, is this person telling me I stink as a person because I didn't meditate 20 minutes today? You know, like that kind of thing, I think is so important to not get kind of sucked into this whole idea that we have to be productive in quarantine or we have to be I don't know something like we can, we can be whatever we want to be you want to exercise seven hours a day do it you want to I don't know you know sit and read a book seven hours a day like whatever makes you 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 should do that because you know you should trust and believe in yourself uh, I just absolutely love that I put up a post the other day um, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram I do <laughs> Where I was just walked outside and I was like, I'm just going to curse because I know there's a lot of people out there that want to have their own temper tantrum right mm -hmm. now. And yeah. I just think it's important that as adults, of course, you don't want to be like, you know, crazy all the time. But there's, it's, a, it's necessary for you to express your emotions and get them yes. out and just, you know, like live in that space for a second. We have yes. a rule 
where we give ourselves 24 hours. We're like, if Scott comes to me, he's like, I'm really pissed. I'm like, you can complain about that for 24 hours. But over that 24 hours, we find ways to, you know, get us out of that rut. But it also allows us, number one, to feel the emotion. And number two, it allows us to find a way to break free. Mm -hmm. But I think that the next level to that is finding, you know, how am I being educated by Mm -hmm. this is it empowering me when i get through it is Mm -hmm. it meaningful and how do i find respect within myself or from a a third party that i'm possibly having issues with you know exactly i just think that you know those four pillars i mean they that was really a profound lesson that i learned from you so thank you cool So Melanie, you also specialize with helping children with autism spectrum disorder. Can you go a little further into that? Because while I am obviously not experienced with that with one of my children, there could be someone out here listening that needs a little bit more support. And I've listened to podcasts with parents of children who have autism were interviewed and they talked about the challenges. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you go into that a little bit and offer just a little bit of insight? Sure. Um, So I think that autism spectrum disorder is a really broad range. And I I should say that a lot of um, there's a whole section of individuals who do not feel it's it's a disorder. They feel it's a difference and a perfectly natural difference. Um, A lot of adult autistic people feel that way. So I should just throw that out there. But for the purposes of this, I'll just say autism spectrum disorder. You know, I think that a lot of times parents are led to believe that their child has to be taught one way because they have autism or they have to, um, you know, act a certain way or they have to be as typical, typical as they can be. And I think that's just a really, I think it's the wrong way of going about things. Um, and I don't think it's an effective way by any stretch of the imagination. Every kid is different. There's no one cookie cutter recipe for everybody. And I don't think that every child needs a specific, this one specific kind of therapy. So I don't know how much you know about autism, but a lot of times ABA is recommended, which is applied behavioral analysis. And that's like a behavioral way of teaching or training kids with autism. And I'm very much against this method, I should say. So just throwing that out there. That to me is not a respectful, effective way of supporting kids with autism. Whereas a developmental model to me would be because again, it's working from the foundation up instead of working from the top down, working on these higher level skills that the child might not be ready for, which is like a more behavioral approach. So there's lots of ways to go about it. There's no one way that's right for every kid or every parent. I think I want to stress that more than anything. Like there's no prescription. It's not like my kid has autism. Oh, well you get 40 hours of ABA. It doesn't have to be that way. There are many reasonable evidence-based, effective, respectful options that parents really need to feel empowered to explore and not just feel like, well, here you go, this is what you get, and that's the end of the story. And what would you say to parents who, because some of the stories that I've listened to and heard, there is a lot of stress around the autism difference, I'll use Mm -hmm. that word. Mm -hmm. Also, when you have a newborn child and they Mm -hmm. start talking and looking and interacting, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I think parents Google is, you know, autism symptoms and Mm -hmm. this, that, and the other. So how do you, uh, number one, calm parents? And number two, if someone just found out that their child, you know, has autism difference, Mm -hmm. I'll use that again. You know, what is some, what are some comforting things you can, you can say to help that parent as they start to adjust to the new news? 
So I think the most important thing is that there's no set trajectory. Like just because your child has autism does not mean that they are going to have this set specific life that you might see depicted on television or in the news or whatever you imagine in your head as the way that a child or a young adult or an adult with autism winds up doesn't have to be the way your child is. Like your child has their own trajectory, regardless of Jimmy or Bobby or Billy or Sandy or whoever. Just your kid is doing their own thing. So you need to support your kid and find professionals that can support your kid for who your kid is, not trying to make your child into something that they're not. So I would say, take a breath. Try not to get into the whole social media, Googling. Like it can get a little bit crazy, honestly. I mean, I've had parents come to me in tears because it's like I have all this input and I don't know what to make of it all. So it's important to try to surround yourself with professionals that, again, make you feel empowered, make you feel respected. You know, like I said, I'm a professional. I come into your home, let's say once a week, and then I leave and I'm not there in the middle of the night or when things get really hard. So you, in the end, you're the parent and no matter how much help you need, you are the expert of your child. I am not, I can't be, and I don't want to be. No one is the expert of your child instead of you, even if you're having so much struggle you can't even be with your child even if your child's been taken away from you it doesn't matter you're still know your child better than anybody ever anyway mic drop <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Thank you so much. Melanie, I had such a good time. Thank you so much. Mm. I can't wait until this episode comes out. I know a lot of people are going to be absolutely inspired and, you know, very thought-provoking and get some tips. I want to know how people can get in touch with you. Do you do privates? Do you do online things so that parents out there can possibly reach out to you and get some support? Absolutely. Yeah. So my website is alphabetsoupspeech.com, which is long. But if you can't find me there, you can go to at love of speech on Instagram and you can find my website and all my contact information. Um, I do offer... Um, online teletherapy so i offer parent coaching online consultation um speech therapy where it's appropriate because that's it's sometimes it's just not a good dynamic to be online and it, i do evaluations online as well um right now i am licensed to practice in new jersey new york and pennsylvania but because of coronavirus the um areas i practice in have expanded temporarily so like i can work in um, I'm just trying to think of the list off the top of my head. There's a whole list on my website, but like Arkansas, Arizona, um, Oklahoma, there's multiple Arizona, um, There's multiple states I can work in um, where I couldn't before just because I had I don't have a license there. I'm eligible for a licensure, but I don't have one. So yes, yeah, so I provide lots of services online. They can go to my website, go to my Instagram, and I would love to help if I can. So, I mean, you're dealing with children ages zero to three. So when you do 
this online、mm-hmm. uh, coaching, if you will?、Mm-hmm. Do you work with the parent who then works with the child, or is it sometimes a combination of the two? So it's such a good question. It can go one of two ways. Either I can meet with the parent and. We can just talk, and I can kind of get a feel for what's going on, and we can take it from there. And that might mean like watching the parent and child interact, like in some sort of play interaction, and then sort of doing like a sidebar, like commentary, like do you call that like when you're off stage, kind of?、Um, I like commentary.、Term. You know、That's、what I mean?、Good. Okay.、Um, or which、um, I think a lot of parents really like, you can take video of yourself with your child, like just playing, having fun. Or something more significant, like you know, your child's about to have a meltdown. You're like, oh, I got to show this to Melanie, you know, and you can send me that video, and then we go through it. We watch it together on Zoom or whatever, some sort of you know confidential platform, and we watch it together, and we essentially pick apart what went really well and what you can think about improving for next time, and that can help a lot because then you're like watching yourself be a parent, and that can be really nice to be able to reflect on that, and it's very empowering. I'm not like, wow, you did a really bad job there. Like it's very empowering. So yes, that's one way to do it. I I appreciate everything you said, and it it really has helped. Even you know, just going this afternoon, like I'm going to have a different mindset, and、cool. if they have a temper tantrum or you know, just how to respond to them and understand what their brain is going through. So thank you. You're welcome. And can I just add one more thing I wanted to tell you, or I don't、Absolutely. know if you want to add it yes, in, but、um, the I'm creating a program, a coaching program for parents with those four pillars. It's going to be for theloveofspeech.com. I'm. You can sign up with your email address if parents are interested in learning more, and I'm hoping to launch that towards the end of this year. I'm glad to know it, and I will let everyone know. So thank you. It well, was so you. nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time.、Awesome. Continue to work out. Continue to dig deeper. I, thank you so much, Sean. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you. It's nice to meet you too. We'll be in touch.